2: I am Emily Esterson from Coverside Magazine, the magazine of mounted
1: fox hunting. And I am Tara Tibbetts coming to you from Miles City, Montana. And you are listening to the monthly fox hunting episode of Horses in the Morning on the Horse Radio Network, episode 2183. This episode is brought to you by Coverside Magazine and the MFHA. Good morning, Horse World. This is the monthly special episode of Fox Hunting. We come to you the third Thursday of every month. Coming up on today's
3: show, we're going to chat with Daphne Wood from Live Oak about the art and science of breeding foxhounds and thoroughbreds in the hunt field. The humble stock tie is the term of the month, and Tara has a bucket list of awesome off-season events from foxhounds around the country that you can attend. And now, what have you ladies been up to since last we spoke?
2: well we had a little hunt club jumping party that was fun we all went out well you know we have this cross-country course out here in albuquerque that's in the public open space which is really awesome and since uh since hunting season's over we kind of use the time off to work on our other skills so we you know went all out to the cross-country course and fooled around over some little coops and some not so little coops and some other kind of jumps just to just to get our horses kind of tuned up so that's what we've been up to and i know tara is on a big old road trip so i want to hear about that
1: yes um simon and i arrived in mile city montana yesterday afternoon um we are here for about 12 days and we'll be Fox hunting a couple days and we will be, uh, I think we're going to do some trail rides and then the crowning achievement of our week is going to be, and we'll see how this actually works out. We're going to be riding in the parade with a bunch of, with a bunch of fox hunters and hounds and it's a very Western weekend event. And so we will be a very not Western and I'm pretty excited about the whole event. So what parade is it like the Memorial day parade or. So the third weekend in May in Miles City, Montana for the entirety of my lifetime and for many years previous is the bucking horse sale. And just kind of a, you know, 75 years ago in, in Eastern Montana there after the great depression and there were just a lot of horses that farmers had turned out on the range. And so they would gather these horses up in the spring and they would sell them as bucking stock, though, you know, anything they didn't think they could make into a saddle horse, they would sell as bucking stock. And it kind of turned into an event. And my dad owned the auction yards here in Miles City for 20 years. And basically whoever owns the auction yard runs the bucking horse sale. So I had a lot of intimate familiarity with the event. And there's a group that's been coming fox hunting over here for, I think this is the fourth year. It's my first year. It's their fourth year. And they coordinated the fox hunting to they could Fox sent leading up to the bucking horse sale. So the parade is always on Saturday morning at 10 AM a bucking horse sale weekend. Wow. Who knew I had no idea. So is
2: it, is it big sky hounds that that's there? I know big Sky's in Montana and I know, uh, Lynn Lloyd's group from, uh, Reno, which is red, uh, red Rock Hounds. Red Rock. I know yes. they, they sort of served as mentors for, for big sky when they first started out. And so they're all there, right. Um, yes. and who, I, else, I, who else is there? I, I thought I saw some people from the South have made the trip.
1: So I haven't met everyone in attendance yet. They've hunted a couple days before I, I got here, but so it is, it's all ma- the majority of hounds are from, uh, Red Rock and Nevada. And there's a few hounds from big sky and three forks. And there are riders from Virginia, California, Tennessee, Texas, uh, obviously Montana, Nevada. So it's a, it's a pretty large group. I want to say they have 30 some horses up here and they've hunted, I think two or three days already. And there's a plan to go two or three more days. It's kind of, it's, there's a little bit of fluidity as, as the days go by just in weather and how things are going. So I'm really excited. I never in a million years would dream there was fox hunting in Eastern Montana.
2: Yeah. It's relatively new, you know, and, and I know that It's funny because everybody else is pretty much done, but up way
1: up there, they can still hunt because it's cool enough,
2: you know? So
1: yeah, it was warm the last couple of days. It's, it's 80 ish right now, but it gets down into the forties at night. So if you get out early enough, it's plenty cool. Yeah.
2: That's very awesome. I'm excited to hear all about it next on the next show.
1: Yes. So take notes and report back. I will take the notes and lots of photos. Yeah. So this month's hunting term of the month is stock tie. I think stock tie is a term that's familiar to a lot of folks in different um, types of riding. But for fox hunting, the stock tie is a very useful part of the fox hunter's kit. It can be used as a bandage, a sling, a tourniquet, and on the definition um, website that I found as a headlight reflector when hung behind at night. So I'm guessing that means you have some type of flashlight of some sort that you use your stock tie to tie it to something. And I, I'm pretty sure I've done that with zip ties in some form or fashion, but I think Emily's got some good stock tie stories.
2: Yeah. My favorite is, uh, the, um, day that we had somebody out hunting with us. (coughs) Oh, excuse me. (laughs) Sorry guys. We had somebody out hunting with us and, uh, she came off and we, we were pretty close to home, but Um, but we, we still had a little ways to go. And it was very clear to everybody that that wrist was broken. It was like, oh yeah, that is not supposed to be in that angle. Like, and so the woman who was hurt trace, her name was, um, was there and she, you know, she was okay. And we have another woman who hunts with us, who is a trained first responder, um, in backwoods and wilderness first aid. So she came along with, and she just took control and she said, okay, everybody take off your stock ties and hand me your whips. And we did, we took off our stock ties and we handed her our whips and she created a beautiful, um, sort of bandage splint for trace's arm that, uh, was so good that you know, Trace was no longer really, I mean, she was in a little bit of pain, but she wasn't like a lot of pain. And then when they got to the ER, um, the guy, the, the ER doc said, or the ER admitting nurse, whoever it was said that the sling was so good, um, that they didn't even want to take it off. They were like, well, this is professionally bandaged. So, you know, this is just what we would do. (laughs) So anyhow, that's the great, the great stock tie story. It was, uh, there were three or four of us who donated our stock ties and, um, our whips. And she used the whips to stabilize the arm, um, the upper arm and the lower arm. And then she wrapped the ties around the wrists. So they weren't too binding, but they were supportive. And then she put us used one of the ties as a sling so that she could hold her arm up next to her chest. It was really amazing. Um, so, Everyone says that you can really use stock ties for things like bandages and tourniquets, and you actually can. And it's a really good reason to not get a pre-tied stock tie because you never know when you might be alone in the field and you need a tie, an actual long piece of
1: fabric. So that's, uh, that's my, my story about stock ties. I think that's a perfect example. And I just I'm a little bit judgy McJudgerson, but I just generally prefer a normal stock tie and not the one with the hole in it. So I think that's delightful. Yep. There you go. So speaking of Emily, what's coming up in the next cover side episode issue. Uh, well, our upcoming issue is we just sent it to the mailhouse just a day or two ago, and
2: it is all about art. We have great, uh, beautiful art, including, um, a really fun piece from the national sporting library about a woman, 18th century or 19th century, um, woman, Fox Hunter, who was also a cartoonist. And so these cartoons, they're kind of cartoons. They're not like what we think of as cartoons, but they're very cheeky. And so we published a bunch of them and we also wrote her story in there, which is um, really interesting because, you know, in the 19th century, Riding fox hunting was not really a woman's sport. And so, you know, she was a bit of a pioneer in a lot of ways. Like one, she was a cartoonist and two, she was a fox hunter and three, she was a cartoonist who cartooned about fox hunting. So, um, so I really love that little piece. And we also have a nice little write-up about Live Oak Abel, who is, um, Daphne's hound that she talks about in the show today and we have a profile, um, and what else do we have? Oh, it's all pa- It's packed full of interesting things. We have a piece about the, um, blue mountain pony club that won the live Oak challenge. And we have a nice piece about a review of a book about a guy named Tristan Warsby, who was a very, um, famous safari guide. And a lot of Fox hunters go on safaris. Um, I'm not sure. Sh- Yeah, I'm not sure why and what the connection is, but we have, I am always getting stories about groups of fox hunters who go on safaris. And this guy, Tristan Borsby was a famous, kind of a famous fox hunting safari guide. A lot of fox hunters went on safari with him and, um, he was actually murdered. And so somebody wrote a book about him and the book just came out. So we have a little review of it. Um, and it's a super interesting story. So that's what's exciting. exciting. Yeah, very exciting. So lots of good stuff.
3: Netflix original film coming soon.
2: (laughs) Well, it looks like we've got our guest on the line. Let's welcome her to the show. So we're here today with Daphne Wood from Live Oak Hounds, which is in Monticello, Florida. Did I get that right, Daphne? That's it. Yeah. And we wanted to chat with you a little bit about, even though this is horses in the morning, we want to talk about hounds and hound shows and, you know, judging hound shows because it is after all hound show season right now. And, um, I'm getting ready to pack my bags and go to Virginia in a few days. So, um, so I wanted to, to just talk to you about that. And so tell us first, I know that one of your hounds just won a big hound show. So tell us about that. Um, and tell us about Live Oak Abel, a little bit about him and his breeding and um, and why he won.
4: Well, I'm really glad you asked me about him because um, my husband and I have had this private pack of hounds for 46 years. How did I get so old so fast? And I would say that really Live Oak Abel 16 Um, and the number 16 is the year that he was entered, which means that he was born in 2015, is probably the culmination of the finest of what we have produced over 46 seasons. Now, you're going to say, why do you say that? So the reason I say that is in hounds as well as in horses, um, the tail male um, and tail female are very, very important. And um, Live Oak Abel is not only an absolutely gorgeous hound and moves beautifully, but he is tail male to a hound called Blencather Glider 76. And Newton Rycroft, who was one of the most famous uh, breeders and huntsmen in England um, of the 20th century in particular, said in a book that he considered Blencather glider the finest hunting fell hound of a 50-year period, and that you just can't get higher praise than that. Then, additionally, Abel on the bottom side is out of our Live Oak Fable 10, and she, her tail male line goes back to what Marty, my husband, the breeder of this pack, considers the finest town that we have ever bred and that's Live Oak Drummer 89. And Live Oak Drummer uh, hunted hard until two weeks shy of his 10th birthday, which is really unusual. And he had an amazing mouth. I mean, his voice was just incredible. So in fable and then fable was tail female to uh, a duke of Beau- beaufort uh, bumble so what you're getting there is you're getting not only the incredible hunting the best of the best um but you're also getting wonderful confirmation. so what's not to love so that's right. the reason i think that he won not they didn't know about his breeding they just they just penned him grand champion of the southern hound show because he moved beautifully and was the best looking hound they thought of the hounds that they judged that day
2: so form and function you know like horses um bingo and yeah. my
4: sister by the way just won the kentucky derby that was her horse country house oh wow speaking of horses had i to throw saw that in since this is a horse um uh, <laughs> a discussion <laughs> i
2: mean
1: I see this conversation going off the rails. That's really exciting. Congratulations. Okay. Yeah.
2: So, um, so I, you did send me that picture, which is really, really cool. And, um, and I was like, wow, I had no idea that that you had that racing background. So, um, explain to me, real, explain to our listeners, really, um, what tail male and tail female means, because m- a lot of them don't know about. About breeding in that level of detail. So, if you could just.
4: Well, just... if you look at a pedigree, mm-hmm. um, you obviously have the sire and the dam, and then you have four grandparents, and then you have eight grandparents, and exponentially on back. The tail male is if you take your finger and run it all the way up the top line of the pedigree, mm-hmm. and the tail female is if you take your finger on Live Oak Gable and follow that pedigree all the way across the bottom. Um,
3: mm-hmm.
4: That's the simplest way that I know to explain it.
2: That was great. That was absolutely perfect. Um, so, Daphne, I know you do a lot of judging as well. What do you look for when you're in the ring?
4: You know, my number one thing, and in fact, when I was president of the MFHA, I even wrote an article for Coverside about it, if I see a hound come in the ring and they don't have a good shoulder, I just can't get over it. I mean, what I really look for is quality and and then balance. So because sometimes you'll get a really nice front end and then the back end has a very straight hind leg or falls off behind, uh, for lack of a better description. Um, but I think quality is, to me, the most balance and quality are my two things that I, I, I really go to pieces if they don't have. I think when you get down to the length of the ear or the shape of the head or the or even the foot to a degree, um, I mean, there are a lot of different types of feet that wear very well. I mean, um Some people say if the toes are a little splayed. Now, if you have a really nice hound and they're both equal and one has a good foot and the toes aren't splayed and the other does, then you have a way to separate first and second or third and fourth. But I really think it's like looking at a horse. You know quality when you see it. You know, it just kind of oozes um, elegance and, and grace.
2: Yeah, that that is true. You know, when you judge a horse show, I mean, the horses all come in the ring and there's one that you say, oh, look at that. You know, and and that's that's often the one that ends up being pinned in the class because it just has presence. And uh, and so I'm assuming it's kind of the same thing when you're judging a hound show.
4: I have often said and Marty and I have together because he's judged a ton, too. It is really important when you first walk in the ring to be paying attention because that first impression is, I will even make a note of a number, you know, uh, if I I go, wow, you know, I really like that one. Then when it comes up on the board, you're going to be looking, is there a problem with this one or was my first impression correct? So I think you're a hundred percent right there. Don't try to talk you in yourself into liking something. Um, if you liked it to begin with, it's likely, unless you see something that wasn't noticeable early on, that that one will be very high up in the ribbons, if not the winner.
2: Mm-hmm. So uh, the Live Oak pack, are they mostly uh, what? What are they? American, English, crossbred? Um, um, we we really at the
4: moment don't have any pure American hounds and we don't have any pure um um penn Meridale hounds mm-hmm. uh, we do outcross periodically to that uh for the reason that you know everybody talks about and that is that I do think that penn and American hounds have a slightly um better tendency to have a good voice. But what we really, really like is a strongly um, English crossbred. And I'm looking at our card from this year, and we, um, we kept 55 couple of hounds, which is 110. And of that, 28 and a half couple um, were crossbred, and 25 and a half couple were English. So um, but even our crossbreds are strongly um, English. Mm-hmm. And, and we just we like the look of them, um, and we like the bitability of them. Mm-hmm. I mean, I whipped them for decades, and I'm just going to tell you, I never did learn how to crack a whip over my head on a galloping horse. Because our hounds are so sensitive, and um we just love English hounds, but I do very much value um we've actually got a litter this year out of a bitch that is um part Penn Meridale through Sha so um so those puppies will be a quarter penn Meridale, so as far as I'm concerned, if anybody's got a hound that's going to bring something to the table, I want some of it, no matter what breed it is.
2: <laughs> you're not you're not discriminatory in that way. <laughs> just, I really am just, not.
4: In just... fact, we outcrossed. We got two puppies that were by Potomac Jefferson, who obviously is pure American, right. and uh, we did not breed from the dog, but we have had great success. Um, with the bitch line, and in fact, um, have a look at the unentered crossbred uh, bitch at Virginia because she is um, descended from that cross at Potomac, and I think she's absolutely gorgeous.
1: Mm.
2: So are you going to bring live oak abel to Virginia? Or are you bringing hounds to Virginia?
4: We'll bring hounds, a full complement of hounds for the crossbred ring, and the English ring, and um, Abel will be there. Um, Mm -hmm. But, you know, every judge has their particular um, angle on what they really like. And I will say that um, Ian Farquhar is the one that penned, he's the master of the Duke of Beaufort in England. He's the one that penned Abel, grand champion, and, and I respect him as much as any judge in the world. So I'm very complimented that he really liked him, but um, there's a different judge in um, Virginia and we hope he likes him. And, but if he, if he, if he doesn't, I hope I'm a graceful loser.
2: Okay. (laughs) So tell us, uh, since this is a horsey audience, tell us about the connection between hound shows and the Fox hunting community. Cause to me, It was something I didn't really understand until I actually started going to hound shows. And you've been going for many, many years. So, um, so talk about that, you know, a little bit about the community. Now, you said
4: the connection between hound shows and the fox hunting community. Did you mean the horse community? Yeah, the horse
2: community. The horse community. Yeah.
4: Well, I think one of the most exciting things um, is the the horse. I mean. There's so many horses that can be repurposed, race horses that can be repurposed. We've got 19 X race horses in our stable at the moment. And I just think that um, where horse showing is wonderful and eventing is terrific and open jumping, all of that is great. But goodness gracious, it's an expensive sport to go in and win at the top. I think that any level of rider, can enjoy fox hunting. I really do. Whether they go first, second, or third flight, um, I think that anyone that loves horses ought to give it a, a try. And actually, I'm I'm really pleased, for instance, this U.S. Pony Club um, thing that we've gotten on going that trying to encourage children to um, hunt more and to give it a try. I think that it's, It's just so much fun. I just don't know anybody can resist it. I I say I'm addicted. Truly, I am addicted to fox hunting.
2: I am too. You know, we were talking on the phone uh, before we called you. We were talking about the Live Oak Challenge, and I said I've got. I'm going to ask Daphne about the Live Oak Challenge. So, um, so talk about what that is because we have a lot of you know Pony Club listeners out there, and I think you know talking about the connection between fox hunting and pony club is really important to keep that conversation going. So, so tell us about the live Oak challenge. I know uh, this year's winner was um, Rose tree, right? Rose tree blue mountain, I think. Uh, was you that know,
4: he- I just got that letter in the mail today. Yeah. And if I had, I should have just had it here next to me, I could run in the other room and get it. Um, but I think the main point is not so much who One, as to the purpose of the thing, and we've been doing this for some many years now, and we give a $10,000 donation to the U.S. Pony Club, they do not take one nickel of administration out of that, which is so to their credit. And it's designed for the uh, pony club that has the highest percentage of children that go hunting for the first time, and they have to go three times, and they have to get a certificate signed by the master, but the beauty of it is, I mean, a pony club that has eight children in it, you know, um, if if 50%, if four of them have never hunted before, they might win the top prize, and I think it goes down, Emily, to six places. Um, I'm not 100% sure, but the letters that I get from children with drawings of their pony and a write-up about their experience, I mean, it is so heartwarming, the fun that they had. And and it was pretty funny, because when we first cooked this thing up, Pony Club said, well, why don't we make the prize a custom-made show coat? I said, whoa, I'm not trying to promote showing. I said, I'm trying to promote hunting. And I said, no parent is going to get up in the middle of the night unless there's a pretty good prize that will come to their pony club. I think the money will motivate them. And and there have been hundreds and hundreds of children that have tried hunting for the first time as a result of this challenge. So I'm pleased that we're able to do it and that the pony club is so generous in not taking any of the money out of it, but giving it all to the clubs.
2: Yeah, the club that won was Blue Mountain. Which happens to be Jennifer, our producer's pony club when she was a kid. Oh my so, goodness. Yep. She just sent me a little wow. chat message. Yeah. So that is cool. And, you know, they have a really interesting program with the money. They use it to support kids that, um, that, that don't have the, that can't, you know, that can't get to a hunt or they use it to sort of fund, um, the fund hunting for kids who might not be able to go or to afford that's it.
4: That's fabulous.
2: Yeah. I We just ran this story about it in Coverside, so you'll read all about it in another couple I of weeks. I look forward to it. Yeah. yeah.
4: That is just, that's just great. Well, yeah. as I say, I just got the notification today, so I should be a little more up on it. But my well broke and my dog was sick, so I just wasn't going through the mail quite like I usually do.
2: Yeah, so I want to talk a little bit about the thoroughbreds too. You know, I think that what you guys are doing there with the off-track thoroughbreds is pretty amazing, and that your sister won the conduct your Derby is pretty amazing. So, um, so tell you know tell our listeners because I think a lot of people think that thoroughbreds are too hot for them, or you know, tell them how they do in the hunt and uh, your thoroughbreds and how you bring them along uh, well, to be appropriate.
4: I, I I think that there are a lot of advantages. If you are a tactful enough rider, and notice I say tactful, not good, what, in my opinion, a thoroughbred can't stand is someone that has heavy hands and and rides without getting off their back, you know if they're kind of pounding their back at the gallop and and hauling on their mouth, thoroughbreds don't tolerate that, but I don't think you have to be an exceptional rider to ride a thoroughbred. you have to. Develop a relationship with them. They have to like you and trust you. Now, if you can ride a thoroughbred, it is without doubt the best horse in the world. And no, not all of them can um, adjust to hunting. And some will be good in the field, and some will need to be out whipping in so they can be up front and kind of lead the way. But the stamina, the athleticism, the beauty, um, and I'm really sad because I think I'm I'm 73, turned that last week, and I think I'm sadly may have hunted my last thoroughbred. I lost him at age 21. Um, he got infected teeth, and we pulled him and treated him and pulled him and treated him, and he just didn't make it, but I'm a huge fan of the thoroughbred, and another thing about them, they're bold. I mean, you heard the noise at the Kentucky Derby. How on earth do twenty three year olds gallop into that noise? I've actually been to the Kentucky Derby in the Belmont. The noise physically moves your body. It's so loud. And yeah. yet these horses have the courage to do that. I mean they're the best of the best. Um I'm a big I'm a big fan. I really am.
2: Yeah, I, I am too. I mean I just think they're they're amazing. And I, I do think that fox hunting has become a really um, good uh, sport for bringing horses who may not make it in other disciplines and, you know, or who are rehomed or something, you know, I know in our hunt, we have quite a few of those PMU horses, um, draft crosses, and we have thoroughbreds and we have, you know, some appendix quarter horses that were from the racetrack. And um, so there's, there's a, you know, there's a great, there's a great life for a lot of these horses in the fox hunting field. Um, I really
4: agree and the, uh, I would say that really most of ours work out and can do the job, but they've got to be sane and they've got to be sound. Now, being sane doesn't mean that they might not have a pretty good little motor, um, but you've got to get a saddle that fits them and doesn't pinch and you've got to find the right bit. I'm a, big one for trying a lot of different bits i mean not every horse is going to go in a you know gag or a snaffle or a pelham or you know just you know help get a professional to help you find mm-hmm. the right bit because it makes all the difference in the world and a saddle that pinches will make a horse buck and stop at a fence i mean it's a nightmare you know yeah
1: yeah yeah daphne i grew up um, I'm from Montana and I grew up riding quarter horses. And it's kind of a weird long story, but I ended up learning fox hunting in Texas. And really, had it not been for fox hunting, I probably wouldn't have seriously considered owning thoroughbreds. And I now have a five year old son of Go Sapper, and he's hands down the best horse I've ever had.
4: Oh, lucky you. Oh, yes. No, there's nothing any better. And in fact, Jimmy Wofford was visiting us at um, our cabin in North Carolina this past week. And, you know, he is just the biggest advocate of thoroughbreds. And he also is a huge advocate of horses that are bent to go hunting so that they learn to deal with uneven ground and holes and imperfect striding to an obstacle. You know, he thinks that it's very important to have your event horse go hunting.
2: Yeah, you know, I went the I went the opposite way. My um, my hunt horse is now eventing, and she is, you know, <laughs> I, I event her in the off season, and she is just killing it. I mean, she's so Isn't brave, that great. You know, she just she's like, oh yeah, this is nothing.
4: <laughs> so, well, let's not forget
2: yeah. that show hunters. That whole thing began
4: because people wanted something to do with their horses in the spring and summer. I mean, it really kind of grew out of fox hunting and a way to get them jumping uh, quietly and consistently. It was schooling for fox hunters to a large degree. I mean, I remember Upperville in the late 60s and, you know, Ellie Wood Baxter is flying around the ring at a high rate of speed. You know, it's now (laughs) turned into such a specialized, um, and by the way, she's, was a great fox hunter and hunted with her for many years at Farmington and Charlottesville. But, um, it's a, it's a great discipline to teach a horse to learn what his legs are doing, Be careful about it.
2: Yeah. I mean, George Morris is, you know, the number one original advocate and, you know, Denny Emerson just had a, had a little column on Facebook about, you know, taking your horses hunting and the fox hunting community and, why it's important to get your horse out there. And yeah, there, it's just, it is part of our culture. So,
4: But do yourself a favor. Start in cub hunting. Start in the warm weather. They call it autumn hunting now. I misspoke. But anyway, come when the hunting is slower and it's hot. Try to come and go on hound exercise. Don't just turn up with your horse, thoroughbred or not in January and February, the shank of the season when the foxes are running straighter and longer and faster, you know, give your horse a chance and start him slowly. And then you'll have one that'll, I had a, I had a thoroughbred that I hunted 19 seasons. Wow. Um, and you know, God, what a great horse he was. Um, but if you take care of them, that's, I want to quote Jimmy Wofford again. His father was a cavalry officer and rode in the Olympics, and he said, you can either use a horse at the beginning of their life or at the end of their life, but you can't use them hard when they're too young and expect to continue to use them when they're older. So um, our, we start hunting our horses at four, and if they're big, we turn them out at Christmas um we just know it's about to get you know um fast and hard and and we don't you know we want to hunt them for 15 years instead of five and i think it makes a big difference um to take them slowly mentally and physically all right i got off task again i apologize
2: that's uh, okay. We're going to have to wrap it up, Daphne. We really, really appreciate your time with us today. Tell us a little bit about how people can find live oak hounds if they want to come visit you.
4: We would be delighted to have you. Uh, we're very archaic, sort of dinosaurs. We don't have a, a web thing, um, but a website. But if anyone that uh, calls me and would like to come hunting, we'd be delighted to have them.
2: Well, and you can find... Most of hunts in North America are listed in the hunt roster that MFHA publishes. So that's another good
4: idea. Go on to MFHA.com and look up live accounts. Now that really makes sense, Emily. Thanks for saving me from my technophobia.
2: Yeah. Thanks very much, Daphne. We appreciate your time and we will be in touch.
4: Well, I enjoyed it and I'm honored. And thank you for letting me be
3: with you tonight. My goodness, I could listen to Daphne's tell stories all day long. What is it about fox hunters and stories? Anyway, to take a little break from chatting, let's have a song. And this time we're going to hear from Templeton Thompson, a horse that can fly because who doesn't need one of those in the hunt field?
0: all caged in Need to get a little air So I can breathe again Got a thirst in my heart Hunger in my eyes Need to satisfy my soul Free my wild side My wheels have been spinning Like crazy in my head Gotta get back to living Before I forget My sights are set Where that green grass Start. So get me off the my fence. Yeah, 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 yeah. Cause I need somewhere to run, somewhere to rock. Fresh pair of wings and a long stretch of sky. I've sat on these dreams, I'm holding on tight. Need a good, strong, tall wing. And a horse that can fly. Yeah. Got a load on my back and a lot on my mind. Yeah, the weight of this world really gets me sometimes. There's a freedom inside me. I've been missing so much. Gonna kick the gates wide open and leave it. Pair of wings and a long stretch of sky. I've sat these dreams and hold them tight. Need a good, strong, tall wind and a horse that can fly. Yeah. Giddy up, look at what lies on the Second star to the left, then straight on till morning Cause I need somewhere to run, somewhere to ride. A fresh pair of wings and a long stretch of sky. Settle these dreams, holding on tight strong tall wind and a horse that can
3: Templeton Thompson. You can find all of her music and upcoming tour dates at TempletonThompson.com. Her music is also available on CD Baby, iTunes, etc. Now, believe it is time for upcoming events in the off
1: season. Go for it, Tara. So, in the interest of the summer season coming up, and and no one's really actually fox hunting, we wanted to share some fun hunt events that were happening around hunts around the United States. So I got some updates, um, this week and I'm going to share those with you. So first a fun event is the bull run hunts, show your bling trail ride. So this is an event that it's actually coming up this weekend, May 18th. You can find information at www.bullrunhuntclub.com. But the long and short of it is whoever has the most bling gets an award. So they're doing a trail ride and everyone goes on the trail ride and wears their bling and they have voters. And at the end of the trail ride, they have a barbecue and they will award the horse and rider showing off the most bling. I think this sounds so fun. We also have the Middlebrook Hounds Hunt Club. They're having a hunter pace series. So the third weekend of every month through September you can attend their hunter paces and it looks like they're giving some end of the series awards and you can find middlebrook hounds hunt club just by searching for them by their name on Facebook. And then last but certainly not least, we'll probably have more of these also in the, in the coming summer episodes, but the Glenmore hunt is having a murder mystery ride and you can find Glenmore hunt on Facebook and I don't want to spoil it all, but they have suspects Who might be the huntsman, the kennelman, the master of foxhounds, a whipper in, hunt harpy, thruster, hilltopper, wheel whip. They have different suspect weapons. Yes, they have a hunt whip, the hound couples, which sounds really brutal. Lead rope, stock pin, as we talked previously about the stock tie. Poisoned, yes, poisoned flask, a hound collar, wire cutters, or a boot jack. So, so these
2: are all the things that could be the murder weapons?
1: The weapons, yes. It sounds kind of very Monopoly, or not Monopoly, but Clue. It's very Clue-esque. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And then they give you some different hunt fixtures of their hunt that could be the location of the murder. So... That sounds so fun. Yes. And that the date of that event, let me scroll up and is June 9th. So, and that's in Virginia. So if anyone's around that area, I think, um, I might put that on my calendar and try to go to something like that next year. That sounds really fun. So those are the upcoming hunt events around the U S if you're a member of a hunt and you guys have any fun events, find me on Facebook. We'll give you my info at the end and you can find it in our show notes and we would love to mention it. These are such a
3: great way to go out and about and get to know your equestrian community locally or regionally, if you're one for tra- prone to traveling, because they're usually very inexpensive compared to other things that you go to in the summertime. It's a lot less expensive than going to even a C-rated show, for example. And yet you get great op- riding opportunities and fun-filled, friendly competition. So great way to get out there and uh, enjoy the community at
1: large in the summertime. I yeah. think it's a good way for non-hunt people who are afraid about it to just go do something fun and get the intro. Yeah. So
3: there you go. Just find Tara Tibbets online on Facebook. And you can friend her and follow her and she can keep you up to date if you didn't get a chance to memorize these or write them down. I, uh,
2: ladies, I think it's about time to wrap this puppy up. You can find Coverside online at ecoverside.net or the digital edition at issuu.com backslash ecoverside. Tara can be found on Facebook. Just search for Tara Tibbets. You can follow Horses in the Morning
1: on Facebook. Just search for Horses in the Morning. You can have all of the Horse Radio Network shows with you wherever you go with our free app for iPhone and Android. Just go to your app store and search Horse Radio Network. And if you missed the live show, you can still listen to the recorded version on our website, our affiliate websites, or any podcast player. You never have to miss an episode. Many thanks to our sponsors, Coverside and the Masters of Foxhounds Association. Good night. Good night.